some of the stuff we saw today, Breeze getting hurt, the Bucks waking up. Uh, also, you want to keep an eye on Bridgewater's knee there. Listen, the, the Panthers aren't going anywhere, but they could ruin some people's year. The Dolphins are good. Uh, that's one big headline from today. I feel like every week we're like saying it louder and louder. It was like, oh, Dolphins might be good. Now we can say it out loud. The Dolphins are good. And they looked good in those uniforms too, by the way. They should just keep those. The Chargers, new get-ups look tremendous. And most importantly, we get my favorite play in football, a Hail Mary. Happy Monday morning, everybody. This is the Green Light Pod. I'm your host, Chris Long, and it is literally Monday morning for me as well. Watched the uh, end of the Baltimore-New England game just a bit ago. I feel like my clothes are wet from watching that game, like just sitting here through the TV. That was ridiculous. Can't wait to talk about that. Real football has begun, guys, okay? It's getting dark in the first half of the late games, which means... Pretty soon the Sunday scaries are going to get even worse and football is going to get more and more meaningful. These games are getting more and more important. And teams had better hurry up and win because as we saw last week, this this league is ready to keep this train moving into the postseason no matter when this thing uh, falls through. You know, you look around the country, there's cases up everywhere and... Uh, Last week, we had our first big oh shit moment, I think, in the NFL where they were like, yeah, we might not finish. So they put in the 16-game playoff um, contingency plan. And um, if you want to win football games, you you better get busy doing it. You just never know. So it's meaningful. Some of the stuff we saw today, Breeze getting hurt, the Bucks waking up. Uh, Also, you want to keep an eye on Bridgewater's knee there. I think he got hurt on a sack uh, late in the game. Listen, the the Panthers aren't going anywhere, but they could ruin some people's year. They're the type of team that can ruin people's years. So keep an eye on the Bridgewater situation there. They haven't ruled him out for next week yet. I think they're going to wait on the MRI. The Dolphins are good. Uh, That's one big headline from today. I feel like every week we're like saying it louder and louder. It was like, Dolphins might be good. Oh, what are they doing? They're going to start the rookie. Oh, the Dolphins are maybe pretty good. The Dolphins are good. Now we can say it out loud. The Dolphins are good. And they looked good in those uniforms too, by the way. They should just keep those. That matchup was unbelievable. The Chargers, new get-ups look tremendous. And, I mean, it was electric paired with those old Miami uniforms that they should wear every week. And finally, and most importantly, we get my favorite play in football. Probably everybody's favorite play in football. I don't know about that. Maybe this is chalky. I love a Hail Mary. There's something about it. I love it so much I get mad at people when they fuck it up. You know, like I get mad in, in desperation situations where teams don't, don't put their best foot forward. It's nice when you have a guy who can get outside the pocket and just whip the ball 60 yards. Hail Mary situations, I think they're going to be all right for a long time. As long as they have Nuke. I mean, that was really all him. Uh, but... Kyler as well. Yeah, I'm going to talk about two quarterbacks 
who are under pressure, who have been under pressure a lot. These two quarterbacks are kind of off the hook in losses today. Those quarterbacks are Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz, who at this point, let's let's I'm I'm not doing a thing where I'm putting Carson and Lamar in the same conversation, but they're undeniably both headlines right now. And everything's relative. Uh Carson's struggles are much worse. But with Lamar, there's a larger discussion as it pertains to a guy who won the MVP last year and can't seem to get going again this year and some of the Greg Roman tricks and the smoke and mirrors are wearing off and uh, you're waiting for that game that's going to get him out of this slump. And those two guys could have used big time performances today. They didn't get them, but I'm going to tell you why I think they might be off the hook and it's more about the teams they play for. Um, And then we'll get into some awards with uh, my co-host Macon Gunner from across town. Sunday night, it's a PJ night for Macon. He likes to be at the crib. We're going to get to some awards in a little bit. Uh, First off, I want to shout out David Bakhtiari. My man got paid, dude. Four years, 105 mil. And it just like, it broke like at the end of them squeaking out that victory against the Jags. It was a funny time to to hear that news. Uh, But one of the best and still somehow underrated tackles in football they they don't usually underrate left tackles I don't know what it is about this guy if he wears a funny number to some people or if the long hair is off-putting or if the fact like his pass set is awkward but he is a really really good player and he's vitally important to Aaron Rodgers and I gotta imagine if you want him to be excited about being there long term and finishing his career there that guy for all the investments that they failed to make it's a nice piece to have so Shout out to him getting richer than rich. Uh, the rich get richer. He deserves it. Uh, also, on the offensive line front today, you hate to see um, Andrew Whit- Whitworth go off on a cart. I mean, hate to see that, man. Like, he's just one of those guys. You know when some some players – here's the thing about injuries. I feel weird doing this, like spending three, four minutes talking about when one guy gets hurt who's done everything there is to do uh, in football, um, who's had a tremendous career, possibly a Hall of Fame career, I don't know. Hadn't thought about that. In- incredible longevity, dependable. Why am I more you know, broke up about him going off on a cart than all the guys that maybe aren't as big names? You know, like I feel funny about that sometimes, spending so much time talking about a guy like Andrew Whitworth when he gets hurt. But there is just something about you know, guys that are incredibly respected around the league who have great names and who have had great careers, especially if they're towards the end of their career. I mean, he's in what, year 17? So no knee injury, whether it's, you know, uh, an MCL or an ACL or whatever it is. I mean, last I heard, it's not the ACL. It sounds like it's an MCL. He's going to IR. There's a chance he'll be back if the Rams can make a deep run. No matter what, it just, while I should be bummed anytime a guy gets hurt on the field, I'm especially bummed for a guy like Andrew, who's a really good dude, a really good player, and also the gravity of him going off on a cart right now as you look at his career, because at this age, there's just no guarantees. Uh, And of course, when he's riding off on the cart, we don't have word that it's probably not an ACL, and guys are 
flooding the cart from both teams. And you can always tell when somebody gets hurt um, if it, it's apparent that it could be very serious. The way guys treat um, a guy on the other team as he's riding off the field uh, is often a pretty good barometer of how he's felt about around the league. So as bummed as I am for Andrew Whitworth, he had to feel touched to see the way everybody reacted to him going down because that that goes to show the respect level he has in this league. Hope he's uh, well and back out on the field soon. You never know that guy's, you know, he's like the Frank Gore of offensive tackles right now. Big shout out to B-Flo, Brian Flores. I mean, he almost slam dunk being this year's best head coach from the uh, Belichick tree today, including the root, okay? But the root is very stubborn. He just had to upstage B-Flo tonight. But body of work, Brian Flores, definitely this year the most successful coach out of that tree. Um, Got to call it like it is. He's done a great job. And they are in contention for, for a playoff spot. And I don't know if 2008 was the last time they made the playoffs, but that's the last time they won the division. That's not out of the question either. Um, and today was interesting because before the Pats game, you're thinking, okay, I just watched Matty P kind of blow another big lead. And you know the end ends near for him there in Detroit. And he was the big name coming out of New England. But Brian Flores has kind of stole the show. And his Dolphins are ahead of schedule. And two is a star. And you get a block punt early. This is what they do now. I mean, I, I, I thought that they might not win today because I had, although the Chargers have found a way to lose pretty much any game they're in, I thought that it was unsustainable to do what the Dolphins have done the past two, two weeks. I thought it was unsustainable. You know, because of all the scores that they'd created on special teams and defense that were, no doubt about it, a testament to the blitz packages that they employ, the special teams that they're playing, but also the mistakes of their opponents. And you get another block punt early today. They're jumping people. You get punched in the face as soon as you play the Dolphins. You get punched in the face. And they made Herbert look pretty uncomfortable, relatively speaking. So very, very big win for them. And again, I mentioned the uniforms. Gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Um, shout out to Aqib Talib. Listen, this was, if this slipped under your radar, which it might have because it involves the Washington football team and the Detroit Lions playing in Detroit, mind you. Couldn't be a more desolate football scape as you you come in from break and there's nobody in the stands and you're looking at indoor football in the Midwest and and it's featuring two teams that are kind of out of contention, but they're really not. And neither team is like a sexy team to watch. Uh, tough draw for, for Aqib his first time color commentating a pro football game. I didn't even know he was trying to do this. I'd seen him do some spots and like halftime shows and whatnot. And that usually means that a guy's trying to, you know, like, or if he spends a day at ESPN and does the media rounds, he's looking to do something. Man, he was a really good player. He might be pretty good at this, man. I, I was excited for him. Um, a lot of people were complaining when I said that he was great. Well, I caught the end of the game. I caught the 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 finishing sequence of that game, the last couple of possessions. And yeah, rough around the edges. Uh, depends on what you want to hear when you're uh, when you're watching a pro football game. 
I had somebody in my mentions after I complimented Akib and said he did great. He said he was terrible. Do you how many times did he say man? I said, yeah, but did you learn something? Like, did you learn something about football? Because I could tell that the same thing that made him a very smart player is going to make him a smart analyst. He does the homework, and he has a terrific career to look back on and draw anecdotes from and understanding from. So it's pretty cool always to see um, you know, players get a shot in the booth because they give you a different kind of angle, especially young players. Uh, but when it's a guy that's outside the box as far as the structure of how he's calling a game, and we've seen that, like Pat McAfee is kind of like, set the you know media landscape on fire a little bit doing all types of stuff including calling college games like it's wrestling you know like that's different and it's exciting and it's a you know it's it's something different than the you know what do they call those platitudes the uh hollow platitudes that you often hear from somebody putting the finishing touches on a good call from the play-by-play guy or, you know, a lot of times I, I hear the color commentator make a blanketed statement and I'm just like, I'm not sure he really believes that or understands that because I hear him talk about my position and he misses a lot of things. So how can I trust him talking about second level stuff? Is this guy just mailing it in? Is he doing his homework? Not everybody's like that, but you hear that stuff a lot and it's hard. The game's moving fast. You have people in your ear. You got information to process. And, you know, like, you're on national TV. There's a lot of pressure. I thought he did a really good job. And uh, I don't give a fuck about structure so much. That's why, like, streaming is getting more popular now. I do a streaming show on Thursday nights with Andrew Hawkins and Kerry Champion. Actually, this Thursday, it's going to be us three and Von Miller because Von's doing some stuff on Thursday nights. You can check that out on Amazon Prime. It's unstructured. Like, that's why people are more into, like, live watches now than they ever were. And I think eventually Akib will get the structure, but pretty good start. Shout out to Connor Barwin. Connor Barwin, man. Remember him? Philly fans remember him. Texans fans remember him. Great career. Really good linebacker, uh, outside backer, edge player, and an all-around great dude. I've talked about Connor on this pod before, but he got a job in the front office with the Eagles right out of football. And he's a real asset there from what I understand. Because he's a smart dude, and he brings the you know the football knowledge, and he's doing it for the right reasons. Because he's really motivated, he goes right into football. I think he's fucking nuts to do that. How about some free time? But he goes into the front office. He's been there a year. COVID hits. Defensive line coach goes down. Connor Brown was like an assistant coach this week. Pretty funny. I got a text this week that said that uh, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham were coaching the D line in practice and so like you know like uh it's great to have veteran leadership and it's great to have guys like connor barwin around the building as well so shout out to him the more you can do it's a kind of a football saying the more you can do it's almost like a sarcastic thing because the more you can do in football the more you're gonna do and that can be uh that can be a bitch like I was on a podcast with Ben Garland this week, who's offensive lineman for the Niners. And uh, he, I know him through Waterboys, but also through playing against him on the field. And he started out as a D lineman. Every former D lineman playing O-line, there was a moment where a coach asked, can you do this for me today in practice? Can you go play guard? 
Can you put a penny on and play guard for us? Whatever it takes, the more you can do. Well, next thing you know, you're not a defensive lineman anymore. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing they say is like, be careful. I used to tell Bo Allen, because Bo Allen, he can do a lot of stuff. He's a more you can do guy. People take advantage of you. People ask you to do a bunch of dirty work, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're playing scout team offensive line. Whatever it takes, coach, that's great, Bo. The more you can do. I used to say, Bo, they're, they're going to fucking move you to guard, man. You're great at what you do. But these coaches, they, they always want to overthink it. The more you can do, Connor Barwin. Worn three hats in two years now. Pretty uh, A year and a half? Been in all three levels of, the, of a football program? Pretty crazy. All right, so Ravens, Pats. Let me just say this. My entire adult life, including my playing career, if the Pats are in prime time, it's an automatic. They have the pressure on them. You know, they're the team to beat. And most times they do win. Although we've talked about times where they haven't. Relative to Tom Brady's struggles the other night, we talked about, you know, memorable bad losses. I remember Tampa on a Thursday night, I believe, maybe in 2017 like a random stinker. They've lost to Miami in prime time a few times. I remember Tom used to struggle, ironically, down in Florida. Uh, talked about the Kansas City drubbing uh, in 2014, I believe it was, something like 41 to 14 or something. We were talking about that as evidence is why we shouldn't panic with Tom Brady, but for years, those were the exceptions to the rule. The rule is the Patriots were the team to beat in prime time, and they had the pressure on them. And Cam Newton, who's found himself in New England, much the same for him. You know, like, pressure's always been on him in prime time. And this year, we've kind of killed the Pats, and we've killed Cam. We have. We really have, to be fair, as far as this year is concerned. Uh, And possibly with Cam, barring him getting well physically after a year where I, I don't think he's been well physically the whole time, and... The run, the QB run game is only going to continue. Like people have written Cam off. This was, this was a different spot for the for the Pats, especially. I mean, they were another football team tonight. They were another football team. Touchdown dogs. All the years, Pats fans mistook being disliked for being counted out. Now you're really counted out, for sure. And if we hadn't like mathematically killed them yet, this would have been it tonight. Had they lost this game mathematically, they're out. So this was a different spot for the Patriots. Uh, And beyond that, it was supposed to be a get well game for the Ravens. You know, last year, the Ravens beat the Pats 37 to 10. We talked about why, you know, that's not a great matchup for the Pats due to the way they're built. You know, they're big guys as a second level. Last year was like Van Oy, it was High Towers, guys like that. And you get those guys running sideways. Uh, that's not what they want to do. And so it became very apparent that had the Pats seen the Ravens again in the playoffs, that wasn't a fluke. That was a matchup problem. Um, the Ravens might have taken a step back this year, but not like a step back, like almost losing to the Jets six days ago kind of step back. No, that was the Patriots. So the Patriots were expected to lose this game. Now, the Pats winning this game is not remarkable to me. I mean, we've been questioning the Ravens. And by the way, I thought the Ravens would win the game, so I'm not saying I told you so. In fact, I had money on the, the Baltimore Ravens. I took them, uh, I took them on the money line because I was nervous. You, you might say, 
Why not take the Pats? Because you get it. Just thought it was safe. Uh, evidently not that safe. And we've questioned the Ravens, and that's what makes this, I mean, this whole thing's been dicey. To me, the Colts win last week wasn't like, oh, we're good now. I just thought this would be a get-well game for them. We've questioned them. Now they're getting a taste of that New England scrutiny as good as you know the Ravens have been for years. I don't think I've ever felt like they were the target, right? I don't feel like anybody ever got tired of talking about the Ravens the way that people were tired for the past decade and a half of talking about the Patriots. And that's what made their run so remarkable. When you're, when you're hated for that long, it's pretty, you're doing something right. The Ravens have started to get hated. I mean, like even sometimes I catch myself, for somebody who loves watching the Ravens as much as I have, sometimes there's so much talk about the Ravens, you're like, you just, it's, you get oversaturated. So they've never had that target on them, in my opinion, the way they have that Lamar's put the target on them because he set the league on fire. Them losing to New England tonight was not insanity due to the last couple weeks, the way they've been trending. The insanity was how insanely on brand the Pats won that game, like the fashion in which they won that game. Okay, like wet footballs. How many times has Chris Collinsworth stopped the game to tell us, or like people like Chris Collinsworth, stopped the game to tell us, you know, Bill likes to squirt water on the football. Like everybody knows that Bill likes to squirt water on the football. You know, they practice with wet balls. You know, they practice outside. You know, the weather's bad in New England. Like every fucking game, dude. But I have not seen anything like this. Anything like this. The rain was unreal, dude. And that was on a day where the wind was blowing all over America. It was blowing on my TV. It blew my direct TV out for like three minutes. Cal called Cowboy reading a panic in the four o'clock slot there thinking I wasn't going to have any more football in the day. I had to get creative and shit. I mean, it was bad weather all day, but this was something else. They actually delayed a game earlier. I hadn't seen anything like this. In the end, not a big win for the Patriots. Not, not, in, two, not in 2020. Not like a mathematical, like, we're in this thing. This tells us we're going to win 10 games. I mean, I don't even know if that's possible anymore. I haven't done the math. Yeah, I think they could still win 10 games if they go 6-0. and oh. Um, but this wasn't like a, a huge win for the Patriots. I don't think their roster's as good as it's been in the past. Be, beyond the, the questions about Cam's health or is he right, um, I think they have too many deficiencies. But this was a big loss for the Ravens in a 2020 sense. While the catastrophic loss for them in relation to Lamar's trajectory is not there yet, I, I think like one real bad, bad game and the heat's gonna really get turned up. But this was a, a, a bigger loss for the Ravens than it was for Lamar. I mean, these two quarterbacks, one's young, exciting, got a lot of football ahead of him. Uh, he's the new kid in town as far as being a trendsetter, as, be, as far as being exciting, somebody we've never seen anything like this person before. We haven't seen anything like this Baltimore offense really before exactly. And then the other guy's an aging icon who's been a trendsetter for 10 plus years, who's been polarizing for 10 plus years. Uh, we've talked about the component that, that race plays in public perception of these two quarterbacks, right? I mean, a lot of people just, I think it's fair. Everybody that hates Cam Newton, everybody that hates Lamar Jackson, it's not a race thing. 
but there are certainly a lot of people that don't like these two quarterbacks because they're black quarterbacks. How about that? It's pretty fair. Like, you can have legitimate gripes with both these players, but there are also a lot of people that have illegitimate gripes with these players. And I think the, the interesting thing about not, not only the fact that they're, like, one's passing the torch to the other as far as being, like, a, a game changer, that, that new, fresh look at offense that we haven't really seen yet, but they're both under pressure right now in 2020. And uh, tonight I thought we'd learn something about both of them in their respective situations, I, I thought. And long-term as well. I mean, Lamar's got a lot more runway to correct this thing. He's going to have a lot more uh, opportunities in the future to develop and evolve and all that stuff. You know, Cam just took a one-year prove-it deal and he hasn't exactly proved it. As much as I respect the way he's played and battled, it hasn't gone to plan. So they're in different situations, but I was hoping to draw some conclusions about both quarterbacks. That wasn't, it wasn't the night. This was not the night to, to figure out if Cam, Cam is well, and it wasn't the night to bury Lamar. Neither of those things can be said. Patriots winning this game doesn't mean Cam's back, and the Ravens losing this game does not mean uh, that Lamar is just spiraling out of control. And I've been critical of Lamar. I'm not going to do it tonight. It's unfair. Check back next week. I do think this would have been a struggle to the end. Um, I do think Bill knows how to pack the middle of the field and play zone. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Lamar off the hook due to the fucking typhoon that descended upon Foxborough. Giant flags whipping sideways. That's always what you want to see when you bet the Ravens money line, like early. And you've got them as the last leg and two or three big parlays and teasers. Yeah, let me just see that flag blowing like it's going to just rip off the flagpole and land in Dorchester. Like, that's what I want to see when I turn on the TV for a Ravens-Pats game. Right off the bat, Damian Harris, right? Heavy dose. You got Cam Newton trucking Elliott. Did you hear that hit, by the way, on the QB poll early in that game? Oof. Cam's playing hard, man. But then Cam takes a sack out of field goal range. That's been a thing a little bit. The Ravens answer, uh, and they seem well on possession, too. They go eight minutes, 94 yards. They were loud. They seem energized. They were fucking hyped in the, in the end zone. You could tell it was like, when we get this first score, and sometimes teams will do this, they'll be like, hey, if we're slumping, you make that first play, everybody freaks out. We're all gonna like, we're all gonna celebrate extra. You know, manufacture that excitement. I know it sounds stupid, that momentum. Um, but then the Pats put a drive together of their own and tied it up and they were louder. And they, they sounded like a team having fun. They sound like a team with an attitude of fuck it. And yeah, you're like, Chris, you can really glean this from end zone uh, celebrations. Yeah, I can hear it in people's voices, man. This team was hyped. And that's what I saw. I just felt like this was the big brother that had mind control over the little brother. And they were, they were trying to assert that because they had nothing to lose. Even if the big brother isn't a threat most days anymore. Even if the big brother's not a threat most days. Tonight, we're a threat. And that's, that was like, to me, was we're a threat and you know we're a threat tonight. And that was what that first drive said where they punched it in uh, for six. And by the way, Cam hugging Rex Burkhead it was like the most heartwarming shit I've seen all night. And I was rooting for the, I mean, due to, due to the situation in my pockets, I was rooting for the Ravens. 
But that was some heartwarming shit, man. These guys love each other, man. These guys are, they're playing for each other in New England. And I know that because you hear guys on the team talking about it privately, not like, you know, quotes. They, they respect Cam. I really want to interview Cam about his year in New England one day. I would love to do a Joe Rogan, like, two-hour sit-down with Cam. I want that interview. I know some fucking network's going to get it. They're going to have some highly produced bullshit. I'm going to ask him six questions that aren't that deep. I want to talk to Cam about this year. I am so interested to hear his take on what's transpired all year long. Because this is, you talk about a former MVP just going out there and playing for the love of the game in a terrible situation, knowing that this might be his last chance to prove it and wrecking his body. Just going out there and being the number one offense in an offense that can only really run the football at this juncture on nights like tonight. Been a team guy, man. So the Ravens are driving again. They sputter. 10-7, they kick a field goal. I mean, that was a chance for them to put the clamps down a little bit. Instead, the rain picks up. And I feel like at this point, uh, you know, the Ravens could really use a stop and a score because you don't want to leave the Pats in this thing, okay? I know that Bill is telling these guys. I just, I just feel it. I mean, like I, I can almost hear it. Like, if we can beat these fucking assholes the first 30 minutes, we're going to win this game. Not that he's going to say to relax, but something important. If I'm a coach, and I know we've worn this narrative out, but I don't think it changed as a result of last week and coming back from a three-point deficit against the Colts, if you can be beating these guys at the half, you're in a pretty good spot. You're going to have another 30 minutes to play. You heard what Justin Houston said. Don't roll your eyes at me if you're listening and you're like, oh, that, that's a bullshit narrative. Justin Houston, tremendous football player for a long time, still balling in Indy, breaking the team down at, uh, at midfield, and you heard him. He, he said that you know these guys are bullies. They're front runners is essentially what he said. It's not a secret. So the Ravens don't want to leave the Pats uh, hanging around. They don't want the Pats uh, to be up at the half. And instead, you get the Jacoby Myers to Burkhead drive. Josh McDaniels, the the little uh, the little little screen out to what was a motion. So they're motioning Jacoby Myers. He catches the ball in stride and then throws it to Burkhead. Beautiful touch. I mean, the guy used to be a quarterback, right? Uh, beautiful touch, and kind of got Patrick Queen turned around. That's when the Patriots get a lead, and then under a minute. You got a chance to get some good vibes before you go into the half, and Lamar uh, looks, you know, looks right at, stares down uh, Brown and J.C. Jackson with the pick. I don't know about a field goal in this situation, but all they needed was one more chunk to get that field goal, and they had one timeout left. It was like about 20 seconds to go. I don't know how they were feeling about the weather in a field goal, but I would have looked at maybe picking up one more and getting the three and getting the half. I still have got hope because I do think they're that much better, even the way they've struggled. But the Pats come right out and they go harder. They go counter it in Gakwe. They go lead right in the teeth of the defense. You know, Humphrey gets dragged for like five yards down to the 33. You go play action to Myers, who had a huge game. And then it's really demoralizing when Cam Newton, that big fucking QB, just runs into the end zone untouched. That felt like kind of a knockout punch, man. 
it's two scores at this point. And at this point, it feels like it's going to be hard with the rain to get anything done for the, the Ravens offensively. Uh, you get the bad snaps, the fourth and one. With Lamar lined up outside, you go Wildcat, and Ingram's the quarterback, and there's a bad snap. That leads to a field goal. This is a big drive now, down two scores at the end of the third. Lamar did a great job on this drive. The, the, the third and nine to Andrews, which ends up setting up the fourth and one, that was a nice throw considering the rain that was coming down. Um, this was one of those things, and it felt like to me in the second half that Bill or Ernie was controlling the weather. Like Ernie Adams had his like little room up there and he was manipulating the weather. I saw somebody on Twitter made that joke. I mean, I think it's genius. I can picture it right now in a yellow raincoat, turning it up to 10. It felt like every time the Ravens got the ball, the rain came down harder. And you know what I'm talking about if you watch this game. It was uncanny. It was like they had control over it. And another analogy would be for you, you know, watching Lamar get the ball. It was like the Truman Show when Jim Carrey tries to get in the boat and get the fuck out of there. They just turn the rain on. They just turn the rain on. Bill's up in the TV truck. Ernie Adams up in the TV truck, just turning it up. Um, but that was a great drive. I mean, he made a lot of good throws, a couple good throws, and so not a lot of good throws. There were not a lot of throws to be made in the second half of that ball game. But big decisive throw to Snead for the touchdown. And then even though the Ravens started to play better and we kind of did the back and forth thing, they could never flip the field. One of the worst sequences there in the second half was when they pinned the Pats back but in, and eventually made them punt. But what they did was they allowed two big first downs that allowed the Pats to get out of the shadow of their own goal line. The Jakob Johnson, is that, am I saying that name correctly? Uh, Jakob Johnson, y- Yak, Yak, is, I call him Yak Johnson because I'm not good with names and I'm uncomfortable saying that. Yak Johnson, that catch was huge. They basically lose 25 yards of field position here. If you start inside the 10, do the math, Lamar gets the ball back uh, at around the 25. Those yards add up because if you're getting the ball at the 45 and you, and you keep them pinned back there, you are maybe in four down territory, you know? Uh, and you can you can make those decisions, but that and the bad snap again, terrible snap, lost like 15 yards doing that. Those things meant that you couldn't capitalize. And the last thing I mentioned was Harbaugh's making. I believe he did this. Chuck Clark, he made him jump off sides in four minute situation. This is at the end of the game where the Pats are icing uh, the ball game, and the Ravens are taking timeouts. Now it's second and two, and you're short of the two-minute warning, and Chuck Clark just wildly jumps off sides. And I'm like, Chuck Clark, what the fuck are you doing? Ugh. They panned to Harbaugh, and Harbaugh's not even moving. I'm like, yeah, he did that on purpose. He verabled the Pats because what he did was that offside stopped the clock. That gives them a better chance to actually make the stop, and it worked because you end up with third and seven and over a minute to go. What you didn't want was to maybe get a stop on second and one and make it third and one and then give them the first down and then you're out of time. So I actually thought that was that was a beautiful bit of clock manipulation. And then you've got one last chance for Lamar. It looks like it looks like the fucking scene in Last Boy Scout, which I had never seen until last last year. 
I mean, the rain is coming down literally that hard. There was also a scene in the fan with Wesley Snipes that I was pretty sure they would have postponed any pro sporting event in that big of a rainstorm. I learned tonight that that's not true. That last drive, you could hear the raindrops hitting the, the microphones on the field like hard, like smacking them. It was like my sound machine when you select like, you know, rain or whatever. It sounded like, I've never heard rain hit uh, a boom that way. A boom being the like the, the microphone boom that they hold on the, uh, the sideline. And of course, they can't get anything going. The game ends in a J.K. Dobbins drop who I put in last minute over James White as if that made any fucking difference. Hopefully I get the win. Uh, and again, this is a worse loss for the Ravens because the defense wasn't good. This was a game where the defense had to step up. You gotta win this game. You intend on winning a division. You intend on, uh, on, on getting home field advantage. Although it's not important this year, the Ravens have been pretty good. And most importantly, you wanna get a bye. And it doesn't look like you're gonna A, get a bye. It doesn't look like you're gonna win your division. Now, stranger things have happened, but the Steelers got another win today, and you're gonna see them real soon. That's gonna be a do or die game for them if they want to win the division. And listen, if they lose, I mean, they play the Titans and the Steelers coming up. If they go 0-2 out of that stretch, they're in trouble, like in trouble, like could miss the playoffs. And listen, as bad as Chris Collinsworth and the gang on NBC wanna put the Pats back in the Super Bowl as a result of this game, I think the Patriots have found something. I think I think the Patriots did one thing they're well equipped to do is what I think happened. I I think they did it what what their only option is to do and Bill is surviving cuz he's a great coach. And he motivated these guys. And he convinced them of the importance of this game and the leadership, Devin McCourty, guys like that invaluable. But I also am not putting the Pats back in the playoffs cuz they won this game. This is literally this was their best shot to win. To go Buffalo Wild Wings, dump six inches of rain on the Ravens, and get the fuck out of there. Again, Titans, Steelers left. Uh, and for the Ravens, the, the slide started in Philly, um, where, if you remember, the defense was really bad. Gave up a bunch of yards on the back end and almost let the Eagles back in that thing to win it. They were atrocious uh, versus the Steelers as a team, really. Offense turned the ball over a bunch. Lamar was bad. They ran the ball up to steal his asses, but the defense wasn't great. And then the Colts gave him a, uh, a pick, that Marcus Peters pick, and that fumble for six to get him over 20 points. The Ravens couldn't get over 20 points to that. But again, the rain takes Lamar off the hook, but not the Ravens from a game plan execution standpoint and certainly not on defense. So if you were hoping that I was going to skewer Lamar over you know, not looking great in the rain. I'm sorry, I don't know who was gonna look great in the rain. Ravens gotta be better. It's, it's getting a nut cutting time for them, which means there's, there's no margin for error. That was one quarterback who, who was under a lot of pressure coming into the game. And one quarterback who was much more clearly under a lot of pressure coming into uh, this Sunday is Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz has been, you know, he's, he's, he's had his lows this year. Let's just say that. I mean, this is his worst year as a pro. And somebody said today, Trump could win the NFC East. <laughs> That's about it, huh? That in Alaska. If Danny Dimes plays like he did today, I mean, the Giants are the best team in the NFC East because they're playing like the best team in the NFC East right now. They're playing inspired. They're playing hard. They're playing physical. 
And I think we need to stop acting like we're shocked when something like this happens. We know who the Eagles are. They've showed us all year. That doesn't mean they can't be something different. They're going to get healthier. They're going to get better, we hope. Uh, I don't know who they can be. I actually think, call me fucking crazy, I am not going to fight you on the fact that they're a shitty football team right now. A lot can change in the next six weeks. They win this division, host a home playoff game. They might be able to win one playoff game. You might be laughing at me. I've seen it happen. They looked awful today as a team. And they've actually looked, they've looked bad in a lot of spots this year. So at this point, they are who they are. And the Giants, we can't like look all shocked and, and, and say to ourselves, we're not the Giants. Like right now, we are the Giants. And I'm using we as the Eagles. Like, you know, if, if, because I associate myself mostly out of all the teams I played on with the Eagles, LA Rams, New England Patriots, Philadelphia Eagles. That's the last team I play for, so I'm using the, the we thing. Eagles fans cannot be surprised. You can be mad, but don't be surprised. Joe Judge is a good football coach. Giants are well coached. Giants play hard. And I've done my share, share of bitching about Carson Wentz. There's no doubt about it. He's been the reason they lost from time to time this year. Uh, I said, please take care of the football. He took care of the football today. Burnt the fucking ball. Threw it away. I got off the couch and clapped multiple times when he found the mascot in like the third row. It's a Bull Durham thing. They said, hit the mascot. Bull Durham baseball movie. Go watch it. Macon's not here right now. No chance he's seen it. Actually, there's a chance he's seen that. But here's the thing. You know, like, I'm not going to skewer him tonight. Everybody the last month has been like, stop making stupid throws. He didn't make stupid throws today. He did what you asked him to do. And it's not exactly like they're the greatest show on, on turf right now. Miles Sanders helps them a lot. Uh, again, I'm not going to bury him off this game. The same way I'm not going to bury Lamar off the last game. Just not going to do it. This was an Eagles team loss. Okay? I, yes, I saw him fall down on third and one. Somebody stepped on his shoe. I saw him miss high once or twice. Spielman fucked up. Well, I mean, it wasn't a fuck up. He just didn't see the tip ball that one time in, late in the game when they're backed up. And Carson skips a, a check down and Spielman's like, oh, you can't miss check downs. And by the time they get to the replay and he's like, oh, my bad, it was tipped. The entire city had tweeted a gif, you know, like it had already gone viral. Oh my God, he, he underthrew a check down. The bad snaps made it look worse than it was. Like there were bad snaps. I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts dropped a bad snap too. There were drops. Fulgham even had, you know, one or two bad drops. There were penalties. There were 11 of them. The bad offsides penalties start the game off, like Malik Jackson's that they extended that drive that allowed Danny Dimes to continue looking like the great white hope out there. Like, what the fuck is going on? The guy's fast, okay? Can we stop saying deceptively athletic? Also, can we learn how to play the read option? I can't tell if that was Josh Schwepp on, on, the, on the first touchdown run that the Malik offside set up. I can't tell because he has a cross block coming across the formation that he's got to address. Now, I don't know if he was supposed to play that and then get back out there to the quarterback. I don't know what the rules are there, but I know that it wasn't just Josh Sweat, if it was him. They fooled a lot of, lot of, a lot of dudes on that, on that team with QB run action. 
Uh, and the Giants O-line paved the way for about 100 yards in the first quarter alone, 92 yards in the first quarter. And when you're trying to stabilize your franchise quarterback who is not playing like a franchise quarterback right now and you want, you want him to look like that guy again, right? As a defense, and I know these guys know that. I know because Fletcher Cox had a sack at the end of the first half and he looked, that is the maddest I've ever seen a guy look getting off of having a sack. I know there were some choice words in, at the half, you know, from the leaders on that defense on that team. They'd tell you, the defense didn't get it done, man. They, they didn't get it done. I mean, like, for the, when the offense is struggling, you're not playing the Ravens, you're not playing, you know, the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the New York Giants. You got batting down the hatches and try to make it easy for your offense to regain its footing and reintroduce some of these pieces that are starting to come back into the game. Alshon Jeffrey on one target. Uh, Miles Sanders came back. Miles Sanders looked great. The O-line got some pieces back. So, like, some guys are coming back, but when the defense puts them in a hole right off the bat and gives up a touchdown drive and a read option to Daniel Jones, I said before the game, I know they're not going to give up another long drive to Daniel Jones. That's why they'll probably win this game. There were anomalies in the first game, like the shot to Golden Tate for 50 yards. Uh, well, there was a 40-yard shot to Slayton with the game on the line. The... Uh, the Daniel Jones run where he actually broke 20 miles an hour, which I think is the white speed of sound. That's not happening again. It happened. It just didn't, it wasn't 50 yards or whatever it was, 30 yards. Um, he would have ran for 70 if they were on the 30-yard line. These are things that they let happen again, and you put yourself in a hole right away. So Carson didn't play great. This was not, I know it's just gotten to be so easy. We just hit the Carson panic button every Sunday, and I've done it, but this was a team loss. I mean, one of the biggest plays of the first half was that 71-yard punt, and really emblematic of what the Eagles dealt with. They were pinned like the whole first half, starting at the 18, the 6, 11, the 25-yard line. By the way, the 25-yard line was the best uh, field position uh, that the Eagles had all day, and Danny Dimes made some good throws. I gotta be, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. This guy was good today. I don't know who snuck Justin Herbert into the Danny Dimes suit, snuck him into MetLife, but the floater on third and five over Maddox, backed up. I mean, that was huge. Stuff like that allowed them to never get pinned and let the Eagles flip the field. I mean, I talked about penalties, 11 of them, right? 11. At the half, I said to myself, like, they're going to stop shooting themselves in the foot. No more penalties. Penalties are killing their field position. It's bad anyways. It's getting worse. What do they do right out of the half? Kickoff return. What was it, half the distance of the goal? They get lucky because Boston Scott actually owns the New York Giants. He literally owns them, them and all their fans. Okay, I know the Eagles lost, but I had some fun with people on Twitter today. <laughs> Giants fans, who I didn't know were this sensitive. They took issue with me saying that Boston Scott owns them. Let me tell you what full custody looks like. Boston, Boston Scott's taking full custody of all Giants fans in a loss. Five foot six dude. He's all your dads. He's your dad. Boston Scott, career. Rest of the NFL. 18 games, 20 yards 
of scrimmage a game. Five yards a touch, one total touchdown. Four games against the New York Giants. His children, something that he owns. 108 scrimmage yards per game. 7.4 yards a touch, six total touchdowns. My man owns the Giants, okay? Y'all won the game. I was just having fun with you guys, but he fucking owns you. He owns you guys. I mean, Danny Dimes, man. Two more darts I want to mention. One to Shepard, kind of like a back shoulder uh, throw in the second half. And the other one, like 30 seconds later, on the other side of the field to Tate. Almost like a mirror image throw. Uh, and, and, and I think that was on the drive that, that put them up 21 to 11. He stepped up. And like I said, Carson did not outplay him at all. I, the, it sucks that the bar is this low, but he did not make those mistakes that we're, we've asked him, I begged him from my little podcast, just in case he ever listens to it, just manage the game, man. You know, like this is a situation where you're in the driver's seat in the NFC East and the NFC East is terrible. Just manage it. And today he managed it and he made some really nice throws too. I'm not going to like, people could be in my mentions tomorrow. Like you're a fucking idiot. You're Carson, you know, you're caping for Carson. Go back to podcasts, okay? I had Mark Sanchez on here, and we and we were we were incredulous at some of the throws he's made this year. He wasn't the problem today. Too many penalties, too many mistakes. When the offense is struggling, and you need and you need to get them their footing again, defense has to play really good. And the defense didn't play really good. In fact, the defense played bad. That's not singling any one person out. Just the defense as a unit in a situation like this, has to step up. And here's the thing. It's anybody's division. They might be bad now. They might, be, they might not be bad in six weeks. I don't know. That's enough Eagles talk, because I know Macon wouldn't like it. Uh, let's, let's get to the awards, and, and we handed these out earlier tonight. Without further ado, my co-host Macon Gunner from his sunroom. Week 10 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week 11. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week 11, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code GREENLIGHT. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code GREENLIGHT to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So in the middle of a windstorm, we've got Making Gunner from his domicile about five miles west of here. Make, what's the wind looking like outside your sunroom? Is the uh, connection, the connectivity threatened tonight at the hands of Mother Nature? Hello! I have, uh, the power has flickered twice. Chris, I thought about notifying you of that at a, at a couple points throughout the day, but um, elected not to. I'm happy to report that the wind has died down and uh, we're in for a smooth and entertaining 10 to 40 minutes here. Did you see Will Parks of the Eagles, his soundbite this week, by any chance about sky animals? Oh, right, right, right. Refresh me. Well, I'll play it for you right now. And, I, and a lot of people don't know, man, I got a, 
an eagle right here on my arm, uh, on a tattoo on my arm. So a lot of people didn't know that. And I had that before, you know, even uh, my, my first year in the league. So, um, you know, I just always wanted to kiss that, 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 that eagle because, you know, that's my favorite sky animal. And, uh, you know, I just feel like he, he'll, he'll give me some blessings. Do you think he was serious? I think he's completely serious. You think that he refers to uh, eagles and other birds as sky animals? I think all birds are sky animals. I think he probably picked that up between the ages of four and six. <laughs> it just stuck. Stuck with it ever since. God bless him, dude. That's amazing. Simplify things. Just, we can all learn from that. Well, not really, because birds is a lot. It, it takes a lot less energy and effort and syllables and time to say birds than it does to say sky animals. But listen to this. You got your sky animals, your animals, and your water animals. <laughs> so the animals aren't earth animals? Land animals? All of us land animals. Yeah, thank you. Sky, land, water. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, one quick uniform note here. LA, Miami. Probably the best matchup of the year yet. No? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Delightful. Oh my gosh, dude. I mean, the Miami uniforms are unfair there. And the Bolts, they got the, they, they've set the uh, uniform Twitter on fire with these new get-ups. So that was gorgeous. That was, a, that was a thing to behold. And now that Miami might be a legit football team, let's make those the, the week-in, week-out duds. That would be terrific. It, it couldn't come at a better time, to your point. Um, let's go superlatives. Best plane ride, worst plane ride. Uh, give me your best, make. Well, I will go back to Thursday night and mention the Indianapolis Colts, which put you in a six-to-one hole in Thursday night time machine. You're staring a Waffle House right down the, hmm, pun I could not come up with. So that was a good plane ride home. That was a great win for Philip Rivers and the boys over the Tennessee Titans. I don't want to take yours. Uh, I'll just mention that yours, which is the right answer. It's the only, uh, it's the only answer today. The previous go around that, that club spent five hours on a tarmac. So anything that's different than that is going to be good. Who spent five hours on a tarmac? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, dude. On the way to Carolina, they were five, five hours on a tarmac getting out of Tampa Bay because of a mechanical issue. Tom had to be heated. We talked about how bad the flight was going to be to Carolina. Didn't we make that the worst plane ride last week? Or no, maybe I posthumously gave that, that plane ride uh, the recognition midweek earlier this week. So, yeah, dude, that was going to be bad anyways. Are you kidding me? That made this game like Super Bowl tense. Holy shit, that was like a playoff game before five hours on tarmac. That had to be brutal. I will, uh, I will go Bucks best plane ride because it was the only uh road team that got a win today only team today on the road that got a w the bucks man that third quarter they really just they they, they choked the life out of those guys man they uh they imposed their will on carolina the first half was cute the second half was we've had enough of this shit we're gonna possess the football for let's see nine minutes and 40 seconds in the third quarter scored on all four possessions all four possessions i mean to have that many possessions in a quarter it's pretty impressive anyways and to cash in on all of them 
That's even more. <laughs> Golly, dude. They, they can look like world beaters. They can look like a Super Bowl team, and then they look like the team last week. I don't quite get them yet, but I did say this last week. I'm not writing this team off because they lost 38-3. to I listed all those things. You know, We talked about all the Super Bowl winners that have had really bad losses. Maybe we'll look back in a couple months and say, uh, remember that Saints game? Yeah, they had 209 yards on 23 plays. Uh, Carolina had 34 yards on 11 plays. Uh, so you could feel it. You know, every time Carolina got the ball back, you were like, they need to score here. They need some points. I don't know if it's going to be three. They need to flip the field. And they threw picks. In fact, uh, the JPP pick, I think it was, that's the second time Teddy's kind of thrown a ball right to a D lineman in his own drop in like two weeks. He damn near threw a pick like that uh, a week ago, I think it was. And that pick was really costly for them. So, again, Impressive day for the Bucks. 544 on 77 plays, 31st downs. Like, what? Chris, welcome to the NFL to Mike Evans. The 2020 season yes. is upon the great Mike Evans. 11 targets, AB, eight targets, Chris Godwin, six targets. That, that feels about right. Yeah. And Rodeo rips off a 98 yarder casually. Buddy, and let me tell you something about that 98-yard touchdown run. That was really important, and I'm watching it on the highlights as we speak. He runs funny, man. His ankles are way behind him. Yeah. But they say he hit 22 miles an hour. I really like him, man. You can tell the, di you can tell the difference in the upside between him and Fournette because that fumble early in the game at this juncture in the season for the Bucs with what this Sunday meant to them, that fumble could have been like, fatal for an average player that guy wasn't gonna see the field again they really like rojo you could tell because tom brady sprinted the entire length of the field after the touchdown i mean that was like i haven't seen him run that far in quite a while 21 in pursuit looked quite a bit faster than rojo but he he kind of gave up on it a tad early yeah i was just i was just so fixated on like wondering how rojo actually runs that way so yeah i mean huge game for him in a lot of ways, the way it started out. And then Tom being money after blowouts. Cowboy Reed pulled this one. I think after 20-point losses in his career, of which there are not many, he's 20 touchdowns, three interceptions. So, bounce back game. I guess you knew it. And uh, at halftime, 17-17. End of the third quarter, 29-17. And then look back. Let's go worst plane ride. I think we'll team up and select the Buffalo Bills. Whew. On a uh, on a Hail Murray, Chris. Ah. Shouts out to uh, Mike Tarico on that one. It was just freaking amazing. I will call my lovely wife Kate into the room to watch a replay like four times a year. And this was one of them. Um, Kyler, the creator, bro. I think uh, Nuke is going to get the bulk of the love here, but. Just getting that ball into the air was quite a feat. Buffalo, well done going on the road and, and getting a win and uh, snatched. Yeah, it was snatched from you there in the, in the final seconds. 43-yard game winner. Well, you go from – this is why it's such a bad plane ride. You know, like you go from – you've got Diggs playing hero ball, really Josh Allen with a really nice throw, but Diggs has been the guy – so dependable, comes up huge. You think you go on the road and you, you have one of these like season altering wins. The the Bills have quiet as kept before that Seattle game. 
which that win looks less and less valuable every week, a Seattle win, they were sliding a little bit. And Josh was not playing well. And Josh had his moments they were he didn't play well. But to go out there and finish that game the way they thought they did for a good five, seven minutes, you know, Diggs is like blacked out on the sideline with excitement. That's the kind of play that was. I mean, that's a big play. The emotional swing from that to, from a fan's perspective, the most beautiful thing in a football game, like the the rare game-winning Hail Mary in the NFL. Janice, four years ago, right? I mean, right. shades of that. Not just the catch, which which I'll get to in a second, but the like you said, the ability to get that ball off and have the strength. There are quarterbacks at the 50-yard line that when they call timeout, you can see the conversation like, can I get it there? Do we have to put in a different quarterback? Kyler Murray did that outside the pocket, right? And that's embarrassing if you're a defensive player in that situation. Knock the ball down. That's what they say. Uh, there's what, four dudes there, make? Yeah, one on four. One on four. And I'll, I'll put it, well, Mathematically, it's the same, but it sounds a lot worse. There are eight hands there on defense. Eight hands. There are two DeAndre Hopkins hands, and he's the one that catches the fucking football. That still shot is going to be a statue in Phoenix. And it's not like he was the first guy in line or the last guy. He was in the middle of the four dudes. In the middle of the four dudes. Guarantee you Phoenix has some racist-ass statues. This is America. Get one of those motherfuckers out of there. And I need a Nuke Hopkins dunking on four dudes statue. I can see it now, life size, in the middle of like one of these little towns outside Phoenix. Maricopa County. Buffalo was going to go to eight and two. And now Miami is a win away from tying the Bills at seven and three atop the AFC East. And that's a long ass ride back to upstate New York from what was probably. Uh, a dry 75 today in Arizona. And here's and here's the uh, the kicker and why this is just such a slam dunk for, for a bad plane ride. I mean, this one was one of the easiest ones we've had all year, right? We didn't even talk about this. They're going to be landing at 2, 3 a.m. make? Yeah, maybe midnight 1. Those things go quickly. Midnight or 1 o'clock. Okay, so I'm looking at the weather here. And tomorrow's weather, actually 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., is just windy lines. The windy lines on your weather app, that's all they got in Buffalo. You scroll down, mostly cloudy conditions with 33 mile per hour winds out of the Southwest, not gusts. The wind's just blowing at 33 miles an hour. So that's gonna be a really fucked up flight. Let's go viewing party, shall we? Sure. Sure. What do you got? The AFC West, you don't want to look at your division and see four quite capable quarterbacks. And the AFC West looks at Drew Locke today. Drew Locke goes one TD, four picks. That quarterback room includes Driscoll and Rippon. The other guys, Mahomes, Herbert, Derek Carr, yep. I guess, serviceable. No, he's, he's uh, been good. Yeah, Drew Locke, there was some momentum there. And uh, it was a race today in Vegas. And I, uh, I, you want to be able to count on one to two wins in your division every year. And the Broncos, young and building, but they might not have the guy at quarterback still. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that could have been, it could have been a really bad day, but they're not exactly turning the corner. 
And uh, it's not like the Raiders' defense is is scaring anybody. You know, I, would you say that's fair? That's fair. And Drew Locke had a particularly bad red zone interception, which could have altered the complexion of that game. And uh, I'm glad you got that right. I never get that right. Complexity, complexion. Yeah, that's one. Uh, that's one I have down. People also like to talk about a. Uh, uh, a contingency when they mean contingent. Um, so what people say that's contingency upon? No, it's more like um, the uh, the Louisville contingency at the game today is quite. Oh, that's not a thing. You can't say contingency. Not that would be a contingent. The the, the Louisville contingent Con- is contingent is a noun, huh? Yeah, contingent as in like group of fans over there on that sideline not making a whole lot of noise. That's so fucked up, man. Really? They do that rampantly. What? Say contingency? Yeah, dude. That's all they say. They don't say contingent. I've never seen anybody, I've never heard anybody say that that Rutgers contingent over there is awful quiet. Oh, hell yeah. Contingent. Yep. Complexion. Yeah. Viewing party. I'm going to go. Seahawks uh, learning that the Cardinals just stole a win. Now, this is interesting, right? Because th- this year, there's probably not a lot of jumbotrons in operation. I mean, it depends on if you have fans in the stands, right? They're not running a jumbotron in an empty stadium, right? Or are they? Showing highlights around the league. Are. I think they are. Showing highlights around the league. Like, you know, uh, during a timeout, when I was on the sideline as a player... You know, we, we'd be going over a player, getting a drink of water, just sitting there in, in between a quarter, and you'll see above the end zone on the big screen, like at the link, you would see the score of a Cowboys game. You know, a highlight. They show red zone for 30 seconds. Like basically the whole stadium is reacting to a score that interests the Eagles contingent. Nice. Yeah. Um that contingent wants the Cowboys to lose. Cowboys score, they boo. Cowboys get picked sixth. You know, everybody's on their feet like we made a play. That's not happening this year. Uh, I wouldn't guess in that stadium in LA with nobody in it. With nobody in it, you're probably right. So that's I, so. So that's. I'm wondering how those players found out about that hail mary, because the hail mary happened a minute before the onside kick failed for the uh, for the Seahawks. And that wasn't like a layup recovery for the Rams. So such a tough minute for, for Seahawks who had control over this division and were one of the lone undefeateds in the league, like what felt like last week, but it's been a couple weeks that they've been sliding. And it started with that Cardinals game and Russell hasn't been great. But you go from that to holy shit. We didn't just lose this game. The Cardinals actually ended up winning that game that we all thought when, you know, a lot of times a coach walks around the sideline or a trainer's like, I looked at my phone, you know, the, uh, the, the Bills just got the win. You know, everybody's like, all right, good. Like, they probably found out walking into the tunnel maybe. I don't know. But it got real in about a minute for the Seahawks. This has gone full circle. And, uh, and now Arizona is officially probably the better team at, at this juncture. When you played, was your phone on during games in your locker room? Was it off? How quickly did you look at it post-game, and did that change win versus loss? It was always on uh, because, you know, I'm texting before the game. I might be texting my wife or my family or something up to, like, 
you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes before the game. Because once you have 40 minutes before the game, your gloves go on and you can't text anymore. Like, just you can't anyway. So there's nothing you would do other than change your music. Sometimes you, you really... silence it? Yeah, you got to have it on vibrate. I mean, people don't just... I mean, some some obnoxious dudes might have their loud-ass ringtone going off in the locker room, but I don't want to be the one that's making noise out of my locker. Like, if if we... If Doug's got the team together or, you know, Jeff Fisher has the team together or Bill Belichick, God forbid, in that locker room, put your fucking phone, you know, break it with a hammer before the game. <laughs> but, like, if your phone goes off while Doug Peterson's talking, like, it's going to be kind of uncomfortable for 20 seconds as everybody's trying to listen to him, but, like, who's got their phone going off? There's, there's, no, there's no, like, fine if your phone goes off, but, yeah, turn it on vibrate. So... Yeah, after a game, probably probably thirty minutes after the game, I check my phone. Uh, thirty minutes. Twenty minutes. At, twenty minutes after the game, maybe sometimes. Huh? I would have I would have put you at a three to four minute guy. No, because they, it takes time. I mean, like the game ends, you dap everybody up, you, you you're exchanging jerseys. That's probably a five minute process. Okay. Coach, coach talks for five minutes. You go in. You 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 might hit the shower first. You might go to your phone first if you got to text somebody who's in town or you want to meet somebody after a win. But after a loss, my phone might not be open for until I get on the bus, which could be an hour and a half. So, yeah, I mean, I wonder if somebody was walking around telling these guys like, hey, I hate to break this to you. We didn't just lose this game, but the Cardinals are like now the team to beat in the NFC West, even though the division's kind of tied. It's clear where this is trending. Fly on the wall. My fly on the wall is the Denver Broncos coaching staff. And let me tell you why, Chris. I'd like to be in, in those meetings this week because Tua has told Mike Florio this evening that he expected the NFL to be harder. Wow. He expected it to be harder. What a badass, potentially foolish statement for a guy who's now 3-0. He said it, he expected to see more looks and he thought he'd be confused, but he said the game's already slowing down and he thought it'd be harder. So up next for the Dolphins, uh, the Broncos in Denver and the Broncos appearing inept. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this word didn't even get to them. Um, should it get to them? I got to think that's bulletin board material yeah. uh, for the upcoming week. Oh, it and is. Try to confuse the hell out of them. You know why it's bulletin board material? Because bad teams like are just scouring the internet for stupid shit like that. Like they're gonna be in here like, you hear that shit? This little kid? This little fucking kid? Doesn't think the NFL's hard? Thinks you suck? Hates your family? Like, no, dude. He just fucked up and misspoke probably. In front of like uh, I don't know Chris Collinsworth or something I don't know who the fuck he who did he say Flor to Florio. Florio hollered at him so Florio probably probably went like this so hey Tua this is Mike Florio did you think it would be harder out there and he probably caught him that way let yeah. him in mm -hmm. who knows mm -hmm. but still the quote's now out there that Tua thought the NFL would be harder than this well good for him man I wish I ever felt that way fly on the wall I'll go uh, Drew Brees's MRI read. You can't afford to lose him. You really can't. Not not in this race where they're peaking right now and you're able to kind of now reassert your dominance in the division with that 
that big win last week. Drew's round the corner. Everybody's saying, man, I thought he was washed. Like, we're all like, whew. Well, now he's got a rib injury. I don't know what it is, like some sort of chest injury. That can go a lot of different ways. It could be nothing, or it could be something that's going to stick with him for the rest of the year, or it could be something that's going to put him out for the rest of the year. Like, you can't rule anything out. And I don't want to speculate, but waiting on an MRI to get read. An MRI that's probably already done at this hour, uh, definitely done at this hour, that's gonna take you know upwards of, I don't know, 18 hours or something like that. You'll be waiting for the results all night. They'll be up sweating, they'll be up thinking about, what do we do, we don't have Teddy Bridgewater right now. Is, are we gonna lose him for a week? Are we gonna lose him for two weeks? Is he gonna be all right? You can't afford with everything you've done the past few weeks to reassert yourself as a football team to lose him right now. Taysom Hill every snap, I don't buy it. Jameis Winston, he looked a little shaky to me today. I mean, I but like, you know, it's his first action. He wasn't expecting it. But it definitely didn't look like one of these things where I was wondering when he walked in the game, is Sean Payton such a fucking wizard that he's going to make Jameis look amazing? And I'm going to wonder if, you know, like I'm going to second guess Drew Brees and his greatness. It didn't play out that way today. He was very shaky. So... I don't know what that's gonna look like. I said that home field advantage was a really big deal to them, and I believe it is, even though they haven't been great at home the last couple of years, because what's the alternative playing in Green Bay, like Drew Brees holding a cold, wet football? Um, nah, they want home field, so every game matters. They're gonna be nervous. Chris, next four for the Saints, home Falcons, away Broncos, away Falcons, away Eagles. With yeah. Drew, you probably like their chances at 4-0. With Jameis Taysom combo, two and two, uh, two and two, yeah, yeah, pro- probably because you know I I would like four and zero for them anyways, and this is one of the reasons I think their prospects are so good is because they have uh, a nice schedule lined up for them the rest of the way. But you do have Atlanta uh, twice, and last year you remember Atlanta kicked their ass in the second half of the season. Uh, when we thought very little to nothing about Atlanta and New Orleans was still rolling. Uh, it was actually one of Drew's first games back, I believe, if it wasn't his first. So Atlanta is like hate week. It's like college football rivalry goes out the window. It really is like a really underrated, nasty rivalry. So um, talk about bulletin board material. They just say whatever the fuck they want to each other down there leading up to that game. So Drew Brees, hopefully he's good for the Saints, uh, but if he's not, We'll see how creative uh, Sean Payton is. What happened out there, Dada? What happened out there, Dada? Uh, what happened, Waylon, is that, um, and I'm not having a bad day just yet, but the Browns, I had them, uh, I bought the half point, and I had them at three. Um, and obviously, they're up three, nursing the clock in four-minute mode. I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a loss. I turn it off my side TV. I noticed that on red zone, Something happened where maybe I should take a look and I see Nick Chubb running in the open field. Nobody behind him. Uh, he's headed into score. But unlike the other Georgia Bulldog from a few weeks ago, if you remember, Todd Gurley made the news for not doing this. Nick Chubb decides to be a good dude and run out of bounds. So that is why I and many people lost that bet taking Cleveland giving three or three and a half points. For me, it was a push, could have been worse. So what's it like being a ghost? Ghosts are dead. I'm very much alive. Uh, Hollow Man, you got a Hollow Man? 
Yeah. Everybody's favorite fricking coach for some reason, Matt rule, 11 minutes, 23 seconds to go fourth quarter. Teddy Bridgewater scores on a three yard touchdown run to make it 32, 23. And of course, because of this mind numbing analytic, the dummy goes for two and they don't get it remain down nine and Tampa rolls the rest of the way as discussed. Maybe it goes that way regardless, but if I'm a Carolina Panther, uh, I feel better in my head pictures about being down 32, 24, one score with 11 and a half to go in the fourth quarter. than I do two scores thinking about what computer nerd made it so that I'm going to now have to get a couple of stops and score twice more. Well, we had a situation like that in the Eagles game as well. Uh, yeah, so it was one of those days for people who don't just. Do you mean the Do you mean the Giants game? Yeah, the Giants game. Whatever game you wanted to be, it was uh, actually it was a very watchable game. If you you know if you weren't rooting for the Eagles, um, good quarterback play, I thought. Go blue, Danny Dimes. Yeah, I mean, and Carson wasn't awful today, so that was. Uh, you know, took care of the football. Actually had some nice throws, uh, but I'm not going to get you started. My hollow man, Chase Young, penalty that sets up the epic game-winning kick from Matt Prater. Franchise record, 60-something yards, 61 yards or something like that. And about at midfield or whatever it was, or at you know their own 45 the Lions are driving. Time is is uh, is running down, and a field goal wins the game. Chase Young, three, four steps, totally unnecessarily. You know, at, at the very least, bumps uh, Matt Stafford. You knew they were going to call it. You know, and Akeem Talib, who did a really good job, and I talked about that, that earlier. He I, he didn't want to bury Chase Young, so he's like, yeah, that wasn't too bad. I, yeah, I could see them not calling that. It was definitely a late hit, and that set up the game winner. So that had to be really rough, and he's probably not feeling real good about himself. Uh, and he's not going to feel good for the next six days. That's the type of mistake that really sucks, and I feel bad for D-Lyman, but the only way to get that taste out of your mouth is play again. And it blows. I used to be afraid of that. could happen to anybody, but it was definitely late. So that sucked. Hollow man, Chase Young. Also, San Francisco receiver, Richie James. He got he got underthrown badly by Bethard. Um, he he had he had beat somebody and there was separation, and uh, this was like San Francisco's last gasp to get back in the game. And Bethard airs it out on one of these late possessions, and to Richie James's credit, he's out in front. Bethard ten yards short. I mean, it really was bad. But in, you know, instead of running back to the huddle, he's flailing his arms in the air like, fuck, you underthrew me. You're the fifth string quarterback and you underthrew me. Jesus Christ. Like, you know, guess what happened to Richie James a couple plays later? Muff the punt, right? Muff the punt. And uh, at that point, New Orleans gets the ball and puts it well out of reach. So, you know, that's a little like lesson for me like it's hard not to do it sometimes you get frustrated but i used to try not to show anybody up you know what i mean and maybe he was just frustrated because he had a great route 
but it just comes back around because you could be the guy the next play. Let's go Frank Gore Award. Okay. Uh, the aforementioned famous Jameis Winston, balling out, dude. I, I, you say you didn't see a whole lot. I saw six of 10 for 63 yards through two quarters of play. The ultimate game manager leads New Orleans to a big win. Tongue somewhat in cheek. I, I, I'm with you. Frankly, I'm not quite sure of uh, the award itself. I think it's someone balling out in obscurity. No, a lot of people were watching that game. So, yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would grade it a questionable submission in both. Like, you know, the other day when, when we were supposed to name um, a band with pastas, and I said the Parm animals, thinking, you know, Italian food, Parmesan cheese, like whatever. Yeah, like you picking Jameis Winston here doesn't quite work because a lot of people watching that game is two kind of relatively big markets in a 4 o'clock spot. A uh, four o'clock spot, which had more games, I believe, than the one o'clock spot. I still think a lot of people are watching that game. Also, okay. James, James Winston objectively did look shaky as fuck. That, that number two for the New Orleans Saints, a quarterback, reminds me Aaron Brooks. <laughs> I'm rooting for him, man. I'm not trying to poo-poo him. I'm just saying he's got to be better than that for them to win sustainably. And I, I really hope he, I hope he ends up with the job once Drew's done. Because I would think it would be an awesome success story. Hey, I got a train running right through my house here in about three seconds. I wonder if you'll be able to hear it on the old podcast. Possible. We can. We do hear that. That's a train in the background. It's not even here yet. I'll go Marquez Valdez Scantling. MVS is what the kids are calling him. And uh, he had a good game. Okay, and uh, they barely beat the fucking Jaguars, so I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers is thankful that he balled out. That's all I'll say about that. I had no interest in that football game. Four for 149. Thank you for teaching me how to award the Frank Gore Memorial. I'll, I'll do better moving forward. <laughs> that train is so loud. It, you're welcome. It's shaking my house. Let's go game ball. You got one? Oh, sure do. Uh, Leonard Floyd of the Los Angeles Rams. Three sacks, one fumble recovery, five quarterback hits on Russell Wilson, who only completed 59% of his passes. He threw two picks, was never comfortable. Shouts are out to Leonard Floyd. With an honorable mention to Dan Dimes, who we talked about. More passing and rushing yards than your boy Wentz, who had... Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager. Yeah, he had Dallas Alshon Goddard. Jeffrey, huh? It's a, yeah, one target. He was, <laughs> he, was, he was locked and loaded. Golly. Oh. I'll go Steve Kime, okay? Um, you know, the obvious reaction that a lot of people have after any Cardinals win in which Nuke Hopkins plays a big role is to point out that... And listen, I've reserved the... Righteous indignation. Like, as somebody who never cared about the Cardinals until, like, now, I'm not going to throw a shit fit every week about, oh, my God, I can't believe he wrecked the Texans and gave them Nuke Hopkins. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you said it last week. This week, it's worth saying, he turned David Johnson and Josh Rosen into Kyler and Nuke. And uh, now he has to probably turn himself in for, like, some sort of grand theft. Because my man absolutely fleeced Bill O'Brien. 
He has quietly done a terrific job there. And his first round pick hadn't even been on the field a lot, right? Isaiah Simmons. So to do everything that he's done and be a year ahead of schedule or what, wherever, however you would have put the Cardinals on schedule, they're a year ahead of it. And their first round pick didn't even have to, doesn't even have to contribute yet. And he might down the line. One of the biggest plays of the, the season, though, the kid made, which was picking uh, Russell Wilson late in that first football game they played. And they're going to play this week uh, in a battle to decide who's the favorite, really, in the NFC West, which a lot of people are dubbing the best division. And um, I would say it's still the AFC North. But if they can get this win this weekend, they are like contender-type team, I think, now. Hey, and a couple more names for your Steve Kime. Kenyon Drake came over from Miami. Yep. Yards today. And he drafted Buda Baker, who was just a really good football player. Absolutely. The Drake thing was uh I think I think people were kind of cooling on Drake this year. They liked the other kid a little bit more. But last year especially, yeah, he looked awesome. So he'll help them down the line and Buda Baker's unbelievable. You're absolutely right. Steve Kime, game ball. All right, that should do it. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday. We're going to rerun the Matthew McConaughey. So if you guys missed uh, Matthew McConaughey because of a uh, presidential election, which was being decided, which has, of course, since been decided, you might want to check out Matthew McConaughey Wednesday. I want to apologize for the train that, that ran behind my house. Um, not much I can do about that. <laughs> no, it's not going anywhere. Make, catch you later this week, bud. Take care.